Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book, the information, a history, a theory, a flood. Modern society has been cruising through the informational flood for some time already. But what is information? How does it affect our lives? How did it develop historically? This book answers these and many other questions in detail. After graduating from Harvard College, James Gleick, the author of this book, moved to Minneapolis, where he helped found the weekly newspaper Metropolis. Later, he worked as a reporter and editor for the New York Times and became an acclaimed science writer. Gleick had always paid close attention to science and technology and their recent developments. Through close observation of modern society, Gleick found that while we live in an information society, we don't possess a clear definition of what information actually is. He spent seven years studying large volumes of literature and records, combing through more than 5,000 years of the history of the relationship between humanity and information. This book begins with the invention of writing, then jumps to Claude Shannon's information theory, which triggered the information revolution about half a century ago before finally arriving at the IT revolution that is currently underway. Among those milestones, Shannon's information theory has had the greatest impact on human consciousness. It proved to us that information was not the mere contents of library shelves or internet servers, but rather the blood and life force of the world. Life on Earth and, ultimately, everything in the universe is information. And information itself is composed of bits, as we shall see demonstrated in the it from bit concept. Information theory accelerated the development of information technology. It was also an impetus to further developments in biology, psychology, physics, and other branches of learning. It changed our view on genetics. While narrating the history of human information interaction, Gleick also teaches us how to survive in the age of information overload. Our summary will revolve around three themes. Part 1, The History of Information. Part 2, What is Information? Part 3, How to Withstand the Flood of Information. Part 1, The History of Information. Since the beginning, mankind has been inextricably linked to information. Primitive tribes in Africa used drumbeats to send messages from one village to another. That was their drum language. Very different from conventional military drums that only carry simple messages like attack or withdrawal, the drums of the tribesmen could actually speak. An English missionary wrote a book on the phenomena of the drum language, which he titled The Talking Drums of Africa. The following is an example of how summoning villagers for a fisherman's funeral would be transcribed from the drum language, in the morning at dawn, we do not want gatherings for work, we want a meeting of play on the river. Men who live in Bolinge, do not go to the forest, do not go fishing. We want a meeting of play on the river, in the morning at dawn. But how could people understand such a complicated message? The secret of the drum language's complexity is in the rising and falling pitch contours that determine the meaning of each drumbeat. For example, Lasaka, with three low syllables, means puddle. Lasaka, the last syllable rising, not necessarily stressed, translates to promise. And, Lasaka, with the last two syllables rising, means poison. 
However, in the process of rendering spoken language into drumbeats, some information was, of course, inevitably lost and the remaining message riddled with ambiguity. Sometimes, a set of the same drumbeats could mean different things. To avoid that, the drummers would add a little phrase or extra beat to each short word to help distinguish one word from another. For example, Sanj, Moon, and Coco, Fowl, sounded alike in the drum language. Therefore, the moon was rendered as the moon looks down at the earth, and the fowl was rendered as the fowl, the little one that says kyokyo. Kyo. To call a person back home, drummers wouldn't simply drum come back home, but rather make your feet come back the way they went. Make your legs come back the way they went. Plant your feet and your legs below. In the village which belongs to us. The extra beats provided the context to the message. This way, it was easier for the listeners to understand the message and the drummers to memorize it. As communication became more complicated and more frequent, people had to face the question of how to save information across time and space. This was the origin of the written word. Paleolithic people carved signs into clay or stones. Some of these signs depicted images of the cows and horses they saw in their everyday lives. Some of these signs served as artwork, while some, like marks in pottery, signified ownership. Over time, those signs and marks became prevalent and gained wide acceptance. As people were more familiar with them, they slowly evolved into something more abstract and, finally, turned into the written words we know today. The invention of the written word aided various forms of discourse, such as petitions to the gods, law statements, and economic agreements. Writing even gave rise to discourse about discourse. Aristotle believed that before one attempts to understand anything, it's necessary to have a clear definition of the basic ideas and to categorize vocabulary so as to structure one's thoughts. In this model, abstract concepts are verbally defined and expressed. What is the beginning? What is an end? And what is a category? Through statements describing abstract ideas, people slowly began to develop logic. It's intuitive to believe that thinking comes before writing. After all, everyone thinks regardless of whether they write. In reality, writing can function as a prerequisite for thought. Research has found that illiterate people actually think differently from the literate. When illiterates were asked, in the far north, where there is snow, all bears are white. Novaya Zembla is in the far north and there is always snow there. What color are the bears? To this, most responded that they couldn't know, that they had only seen black bears and hadn't seen a white one. They couldn't grasp that the answer could be deduced from the question. And when asked to describe a tree, an illiterate would be perplexed by the very nature of the question. After all, everyone knows what a tree is. The illiterate couldn't describe it but, rather, would find it expedient to bring the questioner to a tree, point and say this is a tree. Logic relates directly to symbolism. Things are members of classes. They possess qualities, which are abstracted and generalized. Oral cultures lack categories. Therefore, people within those cultures still rely heavily on personal experience and are less capable of classification, reference and definition. On the other hand, Writing seems to grant a unique self-awareness that is often taken for granted. Literacy has changed consciousness significantly. 
The invention of the written word accelerated the development of human thought and contributed to the development of abstract logical thinking. Increasing levels of literacy generated demand for mediums of communication. The question arose, how to send messages to faraway places. People turned to electricity for that. It was discovered that electricity could travel through the wires, and with long enough wires, electrification could be extended to any location. These electrical currents could be used, among other things, for long-distance communication. But for electrical currents to carry a message, they had to be processed accordingly. In 1844, Samuel F. B. Morse created his Morse code, a code system based on on and off electrical signals. This system made the telegraph, another of Morse's inventions, possible. It worked like this, the two ends of a wire would be attached to sending and receiving equipment, respectively. An operator on the sending end would control a circuit by touching a spring-loaded lever. An electromagnet, which recorded the opening and closing of the circuit, received the current on the other side. Thus, the operator on one end would send out the encoded information via a special exchange line by tapping on the lever, while the operator on the other end would decode the information to read the message. At the time, telegraph was the most reliable method of long-distance communication. However, it was not appreciated at first, as people didn't know what they would need it for. Later, journalists discovered that they could use it to speed up the delivery of news. Once a field investigation had finished, the news editors would get the message right away. This way, newspapers had the opportunity to publish news immediately, which guaranteed up-to-date information. As a result, the telegraph became more and more popular. However, the telegraph offered more than that. It gave people an opportunity to learn more about distant places, which significantly broadened their horizons. Before, people hadn't known, in real time, about the weather in other places. With information traveling instantly via telegraph, people came to realize that the weather was an interconnected phenomenon and not just a variety of local surprises. After the invention of the telegraph, meteorologists discovered that rain belts move in ways such that weather can be predicted. Moreover, the telegraph's speediness was very convenient for the police. Take the example of a drug addict trying to make his getaway on a train after poisoning his mistress. The telegraph message complete with his physical description easily outraced him to the next station. He was captured and ultimately hanged. This caused a public sensation and people would later joke that telegraph wires had hanged the criminal. Despite the huge convenience brought by the telegraph, it was still only a one-way communication device. The invention of the telephone made instantaneous two-way communication possible. With telephones, people were no longer obliged to decode messages and instead were capable of transmitting speech. Users were now able to express and understand the other party easily. Telephones were also easy to use, the only skills required were talking and listening, so even a small child could use one. Further, more than words, the telephone could convey the feelings and emotions of the senders as it transmitted the real sounds of the human voice. It felt just as though people were standing in front of one another. Not surprisingly, the telephone quickly overtook the telegraph. In 1876, the first telephone in the world was born in the USA. By 1880, more than 60,000 telephones had been installed. 
By 1914 that number had reached 10 million. Expansion of the telephone network required the support of new technologies. As a result, studies were conducted on how to transmit electrical current over ever longer distances. For that, the electrical currents had to be amplified and put under delicate control. Later, engineers combined elements of the telegraph, radio and other technologies into vacuum tube repeaters. This invention made it possible for the first transcontinental line to connect New York and San Francisco, a distance requiring more than 5,000 kilometers of wire across 130,000 poles. This brings us to the end of part one. Let's briefly summarize what we've learned so far. The drums that talk made it possible for drumbeats to carry very complicated messages. The invention of writing not only helped people preserve their thoughts for future generations but also aided in the development of logic. People were fascinated by the telegraph, which allowed them speedy communication with and knowledge of remote places. However, the advantage of two-way communication and the simplicity of use that the telephone offers have significantly improved the efficiency of human communication. Dir hat dieser Podcast gefallen? Dann klicke jetzt auf Abonnieren und empfehle ihn weiter. Bleib immer auf dem Laufenden und folge uns bei Twitter, Instagram und Facebook. Mehr Podcasts findest du auf meinpodcast.de.